listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. First of all, I'm going to say this to preface what could be a weird question. I hope if you know me, like you've like hung out with me outside of this, what I'm about to say, like it's funny to you because it's like you're like no duh, but um, I hope y'all know like I'm I'm just a dude like well not just like you guys like some of you guys aren't dudes but like <laughs> I'm just like I'm just a bro sinner saved by Jesus who who loves him like I don't have any special like powers I struggle like you. Um, and like even singing the songs, which if, you, if you're not a Christian, maybe you're like just kind of pondering the songs, which is cool. Like I'm glad you're pondering them. Um, but it's funny because sometimes like in worship, uh, like, I, like part of me was like, man, I wish I could just, I wish we could just keep, keep singing and I could just sit here and like enjoy it. Because like my heart gets filled up like y'all's. I hope y'all's just gets filled up. So I say all that to say, um, do y'all, do y'all sense, I'm not trying to be weird here, and if you're new here, like, don't overthink this, but do y'all sense, like, that God's doing something? Do y'all sense that? Um, man, he, he really is. Uh, and tonight, tonight, the sermon, like, I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to talk about heavy things like it's just not a big deal. You tracking with me? Of course, you don't know what I'm talking about yet. But like, I don't want to. There's like a weight to this that I just think I can't do justice justice to. Like, no matter how hard I try. Um, so I, I I hope that you'll kind of be in awe and that's not the best word. But like in awe and um, feel the heaviness regardless of, like, what I say. Because I'm kind of still, like, in awe of the story we're going to study tonight. Um, does that make sense? Um, so I kind of feel like we're just, like, in a really big living room with some weird lights. <laughs> and we're just talking about a really cool story. Now, to maybe get us thinking the right way, I'll start by saying this. There's a place we go to in the summers, and this is not a pitch, but if you want to think of it that way, you can. There's a place we go to in the summers called Noah's Ark up in Buena Vista, and you should really go if you can this summer. It's awesome, July 3rd through 7th or something like that. Um, but when we get there, they have different kinds of hikes. So it's, a, it's in the heart of the Rockies, the Collegiate Peaks. It's amazing. But they have the like what they call the easy hike, the medium hike, and the hard hike. And a lot of things are like this in life, but it's funny because it's really easy to be excited about the hard hike if a lot of people are excited about it. You know what I'm saying? Like if a lot of people are like, oh, dude, I'm going to do it, then it's like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> but if only like two or three people, it's like, the medium sounds good. Like that sounds fine, right? Um, man, this is the fourth week we've met this semester. I haven't referenced the office once, so I feel like I have permission to do that here. Um, but I felt kind of, like, kind of proud of myself, actually. I told Zach Calderon, uh, I said, man, you know the Spirit's moving if I go through the sermon and don't reference 
the office. Like so, so not saying he's not moving tonight. Anyways, um, I think about that. I don't know what it's called. It's the episode where uh, Jim and Pam uh, like uh, have their uh, what's her name. CC, thank you. She's baptized or whatever, which we don't do that here at Baptist Church. But anyways, so they, uh, they baptize her, and they're hanging out like in, they're supposed, they had this, um, sorry, I didn't plan on this. I'm struggling to tell the story. Uh, they're having the reception, right? And they run out of food. You guys know what I'm talking about. If you've not seen it, it's okay. But Michael Scott, Steve Carell, which was his, was his Pepsi commercial for the Super Bowl, pretty awesome. I love that. Anyways, um, he's... He's like in awe of this youth group that's fixing to go on a mission trip. He's just like in awe of the joy they have and they're going to go and do these good things. And so he's getting mad at everybody else in the office because they're like making fun of him. He's like, you guys are a bunch of jerks, right? And so him and Andy, they get caught up in the moment and they get on the bus, right? They get on the bus. Well, like maybe like 20 minutes into the bus ride, Michael and Andy are like, it sure seemed like there were a lot more people that wanted to go on this trip than before, right? Like they so got in the hype and... Uh, but the further they get on the bus and realize, like, how difficult it's going to be, how long they're going to be in Mexico, I think, or somewhere that, where they were going, the more they're like, we're not going to do this. So it ends with, with Michael at the front of the bus and Andy, and like, stop the bus! Stop the bus! Right? And, and they get off because they're realizing, like, the difficulty they're going to face was not what they really signed up for, Right? Again, there are a lot of things in life that are like that. You get all pumped about it, hyped about it, especially when, when other people are feeling that way. But then sometimes when you realize the difficulty you're going to face, it's a little difficult or hard to be as excited. And I think the same thing is true with our faith. Like when, we're, when, we're, when we are in here singing, I think it's very real, very genuine. Like if someone were to say, oh, you don't really mean that, I would say, no, I think, I think we really do. But the reality is, it's easier in here than out there, right? Right? Especially when, when we're all together. And sometimes, like, it's not just that, like, difficulties, like I think about Shay, like, sometimes life just sucks. Um, but also, sometimes people don't like Jesus, right? <laughs> and so they're going to they're oppose us. So I think a fair question is, like, what happens when we face hardship for the sake of the gospel? Like, does anything good come from it? Is there really any purpose in it? Because again, like it's, it's easy in here, but when we face difficulty, or we are gonna face difficulty and hardship as believers if we're living for him. So then the question is like, when it gets difficult, is it worth still, like still living for Christ? Is it worth still like being passionate about him even in the hardship? Because, again, if there's not really a point to it, if God's not doing anything, if there's not really a purpose in it, then, then why keep doing something even when it's difficult? Now, somebody that would have had something to say about that is a guy named Stephen in the Bible. If you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. So here's what you need to know about Stephen. Um, the apostles, so like the, and the disciples, but the, mainly like the, the ones who had walked with Jesus, like those 11, um, they're, I mean, they're, they're doing ministry in Jerusalem. God's doing crazy, he's doing crazy things. And the problem was they were, again, like caring for orphans, caring for widows, doing ministry, like caring for, the, for those in need that were hungry. And they were realizing this tension of, man, we can't really like study and prepare to teach God's word and proclaim the gospel if we're always like busy just meeting 
physical and social needs. So they started getting other people, other men especially, to help out and kind of carry some of that load. And one of those people was a guy named Stephen. Um, and that was interesting to me about Stephen. So they get Stephen to kind of help with some of the very, just as important, but behind the scenes stuff. Like, hey, taking food to those in need. And then the, the apostles are saying, hey, so we can, we can share the God, like prepare messages to preach the gospel, those sorts of things. We can teach. But it's interesting, you're going to see when we start chapter 6, or uh, in verse 8, that even though Stephen had kind of been given this task, like his, his responsibility was kind of this behind the scenes, like taking care of needs, he was still out like preaching the gospel. So just as a side note, this is not where we're going tonight, but no matter what your role is in the body, like the body of Christ, all of us are to be about the gospel, which is why, meaning like talking about it, sharing Jesus, which is why I really encourage you to come on Sunday night at five o'clock in here to talk about how do I do that? Because again, no matter what you're gifted at, no matter what your responsibility is, all of us have the responsibility of sharing the gospel. So let's jump in to verse eight. Now that we kind of know who Stephen is. And Stephen full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Man, this is like a spiritual high that most of us probably have never been at. So uh, Stephen is doing, or God through Stephen is doing amazing, incredible things and lives were being changed. So this is, you ever had those moments where you just feel like, man, life is good, not just because things are going my way, but you just feel really close to God. You know what I'm talking about? Where you just feel tight with him and you can tell he's using you. Maybe you get to have a conversation with somebody that doesn't know him. And you're just like, man, things are good right now. God is really using me. Those are always great moments. But I don't want to have like a fatalistic attitude. But have you ever noticed how sometimes in those moments, Satan seems to rear his ugly head? You know what I'm talking about? It's like even when you're like, not today, Satan. And you're singing about it, which I always, Allie kills that song every time. Anyways. Um, but like you can even say, um, not today, but it still seems to rear his head in those moments. And that's exactly what happened with Stephen. Verse 9, it says, so again, Stephen's doing all these amazing things. God through him is doing these things. Verse 9, then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia, Cilicia sorry, in Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. So don't get confused by all those names. But it's these different Jews who did not believe in Jesus so they rose up and disputed with Stephen. So they're having arguments. Stephen is proclaiming who Jesus is, and they're arguing about it. Like, it doesn't say that, but we can presume, based on the context, that they're arguing about who Jesus really was. Stephen's saying he's the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the hope of the world, the Redeemer, God himself. And these guys are going, no, he's not. Like, you're full of it, bro. So they're having these, these arguments. Here's the reality for us. The more you stand up for your faith and you're bold about who Jesus is, people are going to disagree with you, right? <laughs> people are going to oppose you. Now, if I never open my mouth, I never, like, live out my faith, then I shouldn't expect many people to disagree with me because what are they going to disagree with, right? But if I'm being bold, I'm being open about my faith, I'm going to face opposition. So to return to the question I, I posed earlier, If I'm going to face hardship and difficulty, if I get, like, if I live out my faith, is there any purpose in it? Like, what good comes from? Is God doing anything in that? Because, again, if he's not going to do some good when things get hard, why wouldn't I just give up? 
I love verse 10. It says they're arguing, and I'll just read it, verse 10. But they cannot withstand the wisdom and the Spirit, capital S, so meaning Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking through him, which he was speaking with. So, man, I love this. And oh, to have been there and seen this argument. They're trying to argue with Stephen about who Jesus is. And says so they, they can't handle him, right? You ever seen like a debate in class or something where it's like somebody's arguing with a professor and you're like, bro, you should just sit down, right? Like, like you're not getting anywhere. You're just looking dumb right now. Um, that's kind of what this is. Stephen, full of grace and truth and power and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, is talking about Jesus. And these people are trying to stand against him. They, they can't do anything. They're not matching up. They, they can't go toe-to-toe with him in this, in this Jesus debate. So what do bad guys do when they start to lose? They cheat, right? <laughs> they cheat. That's what happens. Check out verse 11. Then they secretly investigate, excuse me, instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. So they're at this point, they're like, they're making up things, right? They're stirring up other people. Hey, see that Stephen guy? We're going to go make up some stuff about him. We're going to try to get him arrested. And they did. They got him arrested on false charges. So the things they're saying about him, that he's saying that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and that he's going to change all the, the customs of Moses, we know based on what Jesus taught, that's not what Stephen was saying. Like, was he preaching grace, that Jesus was the way to salvation? Absolutely. But he wasn't undoing all that Moses did because Jesus actually completed all that Moses laid out. You with me? If you don't know the Old Testament, don't let that stress you out. If you do, you know where we're at. So they're, they're, Stephen's facing trumped-up charges, right? Like this is, this is a joke because they want him to shut up and quit doing things in the name of Jesus. I don't know if you know this or not. This, this happens all the time, probably it's safe to say every day around the world. Now, maybe not in America, but like I get to go to India uh, not this Friday but next and pumped, but also a little anxious, I won't lie. Um, but in India, you could, you could Google this later. In India, it's pretty common uh, for Hindus to charge, uh, to bring false charges against Christians to get them thrown in prison. Like, that's just a common thing. Like, one of my buddies, Paul Augustine, um, when we were there last time, two years ago in India, he just barely made it to the, like, the conference we were doing because he had been in prison because Muslims were bringing false charges against him. And he was just like, yeah, man, it's cool. I got set free, and now I'm here. And I'm like, you were just in prison, bro. Like, and he was just like, just chill about it. This, this happens all the time. Because people don't want to hear that they need a Savior. They don't want to hear that they're not good enough by themselves. People don't want to hear that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Like, so, again, when you... When you begin to share your faith and be bold for Jesus, you're going to face hardship because people don't want to hear that. So, again, the question is, like, if I'm going to face that and it's going to get difficult, is it worth, like, facing it and actually going through with it? Is God going to do anything? <laughs> or is it just going to be, like, a tragic, sad ending? You're especially going to face hardship if when they press against you, you don't back down. 
That's what happened with Stephen. If, if you look, it says that, and I'm going to summarize a lot of this, y'all, but in, in chapter 7, it says that there, so first of all, he's sitting in this council. Have you noticed that there's a theme in Acts? The followers of Jesus go out, proclaim Jesus, they get arrested, and they take him to this council. <laughs> they sent to the principal's office again. <laughs> and so he's in the middle of this council, and these, char- these false charges are flying at him, and it says that, Everyone in the council, everyone in the room looked at Stephen. It was as though he had the face of an angel is what chapter 6, verse 15 says. I think that just means he had a boldness and a peace and a steadfastness that could not be denied. Like when they looked at him, like, something's a little different about him, right? It says that in chapter 7, the high priest asked them, are these things so? So, hey, Stephen, you hear all these all these charges against you, what do you have to say for yourself? And if you read through chapter 7, we're not going to read all of it because it's a very big chapter, as you can see on your own. I'd love for you to read it later. But throughout chapter 7, Stephen doesn't start to defend himself. He doesn't say, man, these punks are lying about me, man, they're a bunch of jerks. Like, no, that's not what he did. Stephen, it's almost like he didn't even acknowledge the high priest's question about what do you say about these things. He just started to tell the story of God's people, of Israel, what was supposed to be God's people, Israel. He went all the way back to Abraham, and he talked about how God used Abraham. And then he started talking about Moses, how God had used Moses to deliver the nation of Israel from slavery in Egypt. But all the while Stephen's talking about that, he says, But the people kept rebelling. The people kept, like in verse, for example, verse 39 of chapter 7. It says, our fathers refused to obey him. So Moses, God's leader for them, but thrust him aside. And in their hearts, they turned to Egypt. So he's saying, look, even in our our past, the history of our people, it's supposed to be God's people. Even when God was leading us to somewhere good, man, our fathers was really, like we, we always turned back and wanted to go the opposite way from where God was leading us. And then in verse 51, he kind of like stops the history lesson and he speaks really boldly about what's actually happening in that moment. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest, guys. I, I pray. <laughs> Actually, I probably have not prayed much like this. I probably should more. <laughs> but I pray and I hope that if I'm ever faced with like opposition, if I was to get arrested somewhere, around the world, not likely to happen in Lubbock, it could, but if I was to get arrested and questioned about my faith, I hope I would be this bold. I don't want to act like, I don't want to lie to you, I'm trying to say, I'm trying to be honest with you. I hope I would be this bold. But listen to what he said. <laughs> you stiff-necked people. It's <laughs> always a great way to start a conversation with your authority. <laughs> you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. Now, I'm not going to get weird on you, but if you're like, what does that mean? Um, So the Jews prided themselves on circumcision as a sign of being uh, separated, cut off as God's people. And he's saying, he's, he's saying, your hearts aren't close to God. Your hearts aren't cut off for God. You're actually, yeah, you are separated from God rather than separated from the world. He says, continuing in verse 51, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, remember, he just talked about how they were always rebelling, turning away from God. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of, capital, see here, 
excuse me, the righteous one is capital. The coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. He did not pull any punches. To maybe like summarize and translate that a little bit, he's saying, look, God gave you his law. You were God's chosen people and you straight up rejected him. The righteous one, the, the savior who God sent himself, his son, Jesus Christ, you killed him, you rejected him. So you may, he's talking to the Jewish council, you may act religious and like you care about spirituality, but you clearly do not know God because you killed Jesus who is God. And that just, when he said that, it just went over really well. It re, they just really took that. No, not at all. Verse 54. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, a theme we've seen in Acts, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I don't want to st- camp out here too long. Normally when we talk about Jesus, he is something at the right hand of the Father. What is that word, something? What am I talking about? Seated at the right hand of the Father. Why do you think Jesus is standing? Like, what's the point of Jesus standing here? What's, what's being communicated? Huh? Yeah, for, that's a good way of respect. Yeah. I don't want to like downplay it, but in a sense, Jesus is going, respect, bro. <laughs> I see you. Verse 56. And he said, Stephen, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, kind of like Jesus did, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. By the way, that's, that's nothing tricky there. It's, using the word sleep is a common theme in the New Testament to describe death. I think the first time you read that story or hear it, you keep waiting for like the but then Jesus came in with some angels and he killed all the bad guys, right? <laughs> or like previously in Acts, an angel showed up and he stopped all the stones. Or you wait for Jesus to show up and do like he did with the woman caught in adultery and have everyone drop their stones. But no rescue, no intervention. Stephen was killed. And not like, oh man, he died. I lived a long, good life. Like, no, like brutally killed with rocks being thrown at him. As of 2018, according to the annual study by the Open Doors Organization, 255 Christians are killed, 104 are abducted, 180 Christian women are raped, sexually harassed, or forced into marriage, 
66 churches are attacked. 100 Christian, excuse me, 160 Christians are detained without trial and imprisoned every month around the world. Today, just like Stephen, every day, believers around the world are facing death itself for the cause of Christ. They're facing real persecution. And often, when persecution happens, it's, it's not this like isolated event. Normally, a little bit of persecution just unleashes more. If you look at chapter 8, it says, And Saul, the guy who had been holding all their coats, approved of his execution. Continuing in, verse, in chapter 8, I mean. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. They stayed in Jerusalem. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. It means they, like, they grieved, they cried. But Saul was ravaging the church. And entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So this is not light affliction. <laughs> he's going house to house. Can you imagine? He's going in their house and ripping them out of their house and taking them to prison. People, moms and dads, are sitting around eating dinner with their kids, and Saul is coming in with his posse, ripping them out of their house and taking them to prison simply because they love Jesus. Like, is it, is it really worth, like, living your faith out and being bold for Christ when hardship comes? That sounds like a pretty crappy ending. Like, it sounds like a, a tragedy. <laughs> like, does any, does any good come from that? You know, I shouldn't say this lightly, and I'm, I'm trying my best not to. It's easy because it's easy for me to say standing up here. But you know what the rest of the story shows? Absolutely good comes from that. Absolutely, God turns something terrible into something terrific. You know why? Though it was a terrible day, this was not a tragedy tragic day because that's not the rest of the story. Don't let the little space in your Bible make you stop reading. Look at verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. What in the world? <laughs> Stephen was killed for his faith. They're going around to kill more people, taking them to jail. And the believers kind of running for their lives, scatter. And rather than just saying, you know what, that Jesus thing was cool for a little bit, but that is not worth it, they just kept preaching the word. They couldn't stop and they wouldn't stop. What happened when Stephen was stoned for living out his faith, when he was killed for living out his faith? The gospel spread like wildfire. <laughs> What happens 
when you and I are willing to suffer, are willing to face hardship for living out our faith, the gospel will spread like wildfire. <laughs> now, not if we're, it won't happen if we are not serious about our faith. If we're not in love with Jesus, it's not going to happen. You don't keep preaching the gospel knowing it could cost you your life if Jesus is not your everything. But when Jesus is your everything and the gospel is your greatest passion and vision and mission, then you know what? Even in tragedy, even in hardship, you see an opportunity for the gospel to spread. Now here's something we cannot miss because I think Luke would be really upset, the guy who wrote this book, really upset if we miss this. Look at verse 1 of chapter 8. And they were all scattered, I can't talk, scattered. <laughs> they were all scattered throughout the regions of what? Judea and Samaria. And what were they doing, verse four, when they got there? Preaching the word, which don't, don't think of like what I'm doing. So they all got pulpits and they started preaching. Like, no, they were talking about Jesus. Now, think back, and if you can't remember, you can look, it's not cheating. Acts chapter one, verse eight. What did he say? You can look, it's not cheating. Open book test. You receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem. Come on, I can't hear you, talk to me. Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. What the world... (laughs) Up until this point, the gospel had only been in Jerusalem. Stephen is willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel. And all of a sudden, the gospel explodes just to where Jesus said it was supposed to go next. What the devil and his followers ultimately meant for evil, God just used for good. (laughs) Y'all, when you're willing, when we are willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel, we're willing to face hardship, Jesus will use it for good, for others to hear the gospel. That's what this story is about. And I wholeheartedly believe that Stephen was not like, oh man, that sucks. I I think he had a Philippians 1 attitude of, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. (laughs) Saying, "If, if I... If I'm living, I'm going to make much of Jesus. But if I die, I'm going to get to be with Jesus. And that is amazing. Y'all, this is, it's, it's upside down. I get that. See, the world tells us if we want something to grow and expand and, and become greater, that we need to, like, crush our enemies, be selfish, do what, do what we want. All of the new, te- really all of the scripture, all of the kingdom of God is flipped upside down. The first shall be last, the last shall be first, right? If you want to be greatest, you want to be at the top, then you must be, become a what of all? A servant of all. See, in the kingdom, it's backwards. The way the gospel spreads is not by us being a bunch of jerks and like forcing it on people. The way the gospel spreads is when we become selfless, when we lay down our lives, when we're willing to suffer and face hardship. Now, I understand, like, and I was telling some of our folks yesterday, in Lubbock, I don't know that you could get yourself 
killed for the gospel. I just don't know. There's just, there's just not persecution like that, right? It blows my mind. It's super humbling to me. I don't know why I just like coming closer. Um, it's super humbling to me to think about, like, that in this room, some of us, me included, like, whether it be here or around the world, could end up giving our lives, like, losing our lives for the gospel. That's pretty humbling. And so that's why I keep saying, like, I, this is really hard to preach. I don't know if you're good. Like, I can't exp- express my heart here, but it's really hard to preach because I don't want to convince you to do something that I'm not sure I'm ready to do. And I really think I am, but I haven't had to live it. Does that make sense? Like, no one's ever stared me in the face and said, I'll kill you if you love Jesus. So I'm just saying, like, man, I hope we're in this together. <laughs> I, re- I really believe I would stand strong. I hope we will. So I haven't faced that. No one's held a gun to my head or like threatened to throw a rock at me. Paul Augustine said, if I come to his part of India, the Muslims will throw rocks at me. So yeah, that's an opportunity. Um, he said, you wear a helmet, it'll be fine. I was like, what? I said, what about you? He said, I learned to dodge them. It's like a different form of dodgeball, I guess. Um, we may not face death here right now in Lubbock, but we can still face hardship and be willing to lay down our lives. So what do you mean? What does that look like? We could be willing to go, like some of my friends over here, to go to the sub and face the awkwardness of going up to someone and saying, hey, I'm a Christian. Is there anything I could pray for you about? When you lay down your life to embrace that awkwardness, it may lead to them getting life. (laughs) You can face the weirdness of telling somebody, hey, man, I want you to know Jesus loves you. When you, when you actually say those words, in a sense, you're laying down your life by just the simple fact that in our culture, it can be weird and awkward to say that. Now, does that compare to what Stephen faced or what they may face in India or North Korea or whatever? No, not really, but it's a good place to start. <laughs> this may seem like a stretch, but I don't think it is at all. Some of you guys and girls are laying your life down right now in that rather than um, just having a boyfriend, having a girlfriend, and having like, oh man, that'll be fulfilling, that'll be good. You're like facing hardship and even, I don't wanna use this word lightly, like quote suffering by being that girl or that guy that like people don't wanna date because they know you're actually like marriage material and so you kind of freak them out. (laughs) So maybe right now you're kind of facing a little bit of, again, I don't don't wanna oversimplify this, but in a sense, you, you could be facing a little hardship and saying, hey, I'm going to stand for Christ. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to live out my faith, even if that means I just don't date, date somebody for a while. <laughs> Some of you may face hardship by saying, hey, I'm not going to cheat on that test. Even if it means I fail, I'm going to live for, I'm going to live for Christ. I'm not going to cheat on my books or treat my employees like crap because I believe in Jesus and I want to treat them like he would. You may face hardship for that. You may not get the promotion you hope for. You may not get the business partners you hope for. But you know what is going to happen when you do that? When you lay down your life in that sense, the gospel is going to (laughs) spread. The gospel is going to spread like wildfire because that's how the gospel spreads. When we lay down our lives. Y'all, we live in arguably the most free, most prosperous country at the most peaceful time, one of the most peaceful times in world history. As Christians, we cannot sit on that and do nothing. (laughs) With that comes responsibility. Like how dare we give up the right to share the gospel when Christians in North Korea and India and Afghanistan and other places 
are sharing the gospel when it could cost them everything. Shame on Brandon Hayes for not being more bold. Because again, when I lay down my life, whether that be feeling like an idiot or someone looking at me like an, I'm an idiot or whatever, or maybe it's even, maybe it's not that, maybe it's giving up my time, giving up my money, saying no to me to say yes to the mission of God. When I do that, people get to experience the gospel. Because they say, hey, there's something different about you. Or wow, that's, what, that's who Jesus is? Maybe I do need him in my life. People get life when you give your life. <laughs> That's what this passage is about. Whether it be death or whether it be just giving money to the kingdom of God, whether it be martyrdom or whether it be just laying down your pride to be humble and tell someone about Jesus. People get life. They get Jesus when you lay down your life. You tracking with me? That's how the gospel spreads. And when you do that, man, you get to line up in a great long line of God followers that have done that. Abraham left the comfort of his homeland to follow the mission of God. And from that, he became Father Abraham, right? God made a nation out of him. Moses faced Pharaoh, which could, who could have killed him, faced Pharaoh, faced that fear. And through that, God rescued a nation from slavery. Esther stood before, though it was her husband, stood before the king who could have chopped off her head in that moment, stood before the king, though it could have cost her her life, and God spared a massacre of the Jews. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow to the statue. Nope, we're literally gonna stand for God. Like, for real, literally, we're not gonna bow. No, really, when the trumpet blows, bow. We're not gonna do it. Nope, not gonna do it. Thrown in a fiery furnace, and you know what happened? It wasn't just like God said, yeah. No, he did say, yeah. But the king that threw him in the furnace said, holy crap, it's a crapple. Your God's for real. <laughs> but he could not have seen that had they not been willing to be thrown in the fire. When you lay your life down, people get life. Daniel, knowing it cost him his life, did not quit praying. If anyone prays to any other God, then the king, we're gonna kill him. Daniel says, too bad, I'm gonna live for God. I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna lay my life down. I'm gonna keep praying to God. Was thrown in the lion's den and same thing. God did choose to rescue him. God doesn't always choose to rescue us in the moment. Heaven is ultimate rescue, amen. But didn't choose to rescue Daniel. But still, when God, did, when God uh, rescued Daniel, the king looked at Daniel and looked at Daniel's God and said, there's something different about that God. When you lay your life down, people get life. Think about Stephen. He literally laid his life down and the gospel spread like wildfire. Acts 1-8 started to take shape. And I really do believe, remember that we're gonna, Jonathan, wherever he's at, is gonna talk about Paul here in a few weeks. It's gonna be epic. But Saul, I think partly became Paul because of the life of Stephen. Man, I think Paul at some point had to wrestle with what he had seen Stephen do. And there's no greater example of people getting life when someone laid down their life than Jesus Christ. He laid his life down and salvation spread like wildfire. <laughs> the, the cross, the gospel is what saves us, but it's also supposed to be our model. Laying down your life is the beauty of the gospel. It's how you get salvation, but it's also how God spread salvation through you. 
people get life when you give yours. Man, I haven't faced what Stephen's faced, but I could do a little better job where I'm at today. I don't know about you. I've laid my life down. So I want us to pray towards that end. So if you want to close your eyes or bow your head or get on your knees or stand up, I don't know what you want to do. But here's what I would want you, I think two ways we can pray. First, you're never going to lay down your life for others if you're not enthralled and captivated by the fact that Jesus laid his life down for you. So maybe just in this moment, take a moment to pray and say, Jesus, help me to see the beauty of the gospel that you laid your life down so I could live, that you arrested death, that you conquered the grave, conquered sin so I could live. God, help me to be captivated by that. Help that story to be the story that all the other stories of my life revolve around. But God, I don't want to stop there. Make this your prayer. God, help me to lay my life down so others can see you, so others can get life. My buddy Jonathan said the other day, this, is the only, this life is the only opportunity I have to lay my life down for Jesus. I'm not trying to go, go and get myself killed, but reality is when I'm in heaven, I don't have an opportunity to do that anymore, to, to lay my life down, to sacrifice so others can know Jesus. This is the time to do it. So God, please give us boldness. Please help us to see you as more valuable, valuable than anything and that we would be lost without you and that other people are lost without you. So help us to give our everything to know you, to be like you and for others to see you in us. Jesus said, whoever was gonna follow him would have to take up his cross and let's start doing that. Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. You can learn more about The Journey by checking us out on Instagram or Facebook. Just search for at the journey LBK.